Well, good morning. And it is a good morning. It's a terrific morning. Because the news is funny, tragic. It's always tragic. But funny, but tragic. And I don't want to make light of the fact that it's tragic, but also sometimes funny. So we'll do a little bit of that, but before we get into that, how would you like to take it up a notch? Yeah, you would. Get a little extra. Make it uh, one of those days that you remember for, I don't know, until tomorrow anyway. Well, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid I like, coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip, if you've heard of it. And it's going to happen now. Wait, watch the, hear the echo in my cup. Now. Go. Yeah. That was so real. It was like you were there. And let's talk about the news. Well, by far the most important news of the day, by far, is that um, my album is dropping. I always wanted to say that. My album is dropping today. Now, I don't actually have an album, but I'm featured on one. My voice is. Uh, Basket Case Theory. The single is dropping, I think, in an hour or so. So in about an hour, you'll be able to see it. Just uh, search for Basket Case Theory and look for Akira the Dawn. And Meaning Wave is the... Is the, is the genre or, I don't know, the label, I guess. I'm not sure what to call that. But the rest of the album will be uh, available later, but the single is out today. Get it. Get it. All right. Now, if there was one thing I needed to make me happy in this world, one thing that would tell me that the golden age is here, um, it would be this announcement that uh, Tesla is making a robot. Yes, Tesla is making a robot. Now, uh, how many words is that? Tesla is making a robot. Five words. They're the five words. (laughs) They're possibly the most important five words in humankind's history. (laughs) And maybe not. I mean, it could be just another product and... Other people will make robots and stuff, and, you know, life will go on. Or, or, those five words, Tesla is making a robot, will be the five words that change everything. <laughs> Just everything. Do you, do you want to know how much it's going to change? I don't know anything about this robot, right? So, so this is me speaking with zero knowledge except there's a, some indication that Tesla makes, wants to make a bot called the Tesla bot. We'll probably find out more about it. But number one, do you think that Tesla uniquely could make a market for human-like, or maybe not, but robots that live in your home and help you out? Yes. <laughs> yes. Could Microsoft do it? Microsoft, a you know, gigantic, successful company, right? Could they make a robot that you would buy 
And it would be really expensive, the first ones. I don't know how much. You know, but just imagine you have to be pretty rich to buy the first one, you know, just like you did for the original Teslas, right? They're pretty expensive. But do you think Microsoft could pull that off? Even if they bought the, the best marketers and engineers in the world? Nope. Nope. I don't think they could. They just don't have the right company vibe, image. They can't control the, uh, the reality distortion field. How about Apple? Could Apple Computer make an Apple robot that makes you say, all right, any price, I'm just going to buy that damn robot. I've got to have an Apple robot. That's a trick question. Why is it a... No, you're ahead of me. Damn it, Citizen X. Here I am trying to make clever surprise points, and you're spoiling it for me. But keep on doing it, because it was funny. As uh, Citizen X points out, could Apple make a robot without Steve Jobs? All right. I think the answer is no. I hate to say it. I mean, Apple is maybe the premier company of all companies. You know, I, I doubt anybody's better at anything than Apple is at everything, basically. So there's nothing you can say bad about Apple Computer. I mean, it's just an amazing company. You know, one of the wonders of the world at this point. But they don't have Steve Jobs. And if somebody's going to make you buy a robot, you need a Steve Jobs. So can Tesla get you to buy a robot for an outlandish price to have your first robot in your house? And the answer is yes. Let me, let me say that again, Yes. I, I would put it in order for that robot without even seeing the specs or the price. <laughs> Honestly, if I could place an order, I would place an order without knowing the price. You know, I have enough, enough money. I could probably afford it. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't need to know the price. I wouldn't know what it could do. I wouldn't need to know how long the battery lasts or even whether it might kill me because it got mad at me. I want that robot. Is there anybody else here with me? Is there anybody here, anybody else who had the same feeling, which is, are you serious? Elon Musk is making a robot? Ah, uh, ah, uh, when can I get one? Now imagine, imagine the same story, except it's Microsoft. Microsoft is making a robot. I think I'm going to wait for version 2.0, <laughs> right? Right? It's completely different. If Musk is making a robot, I want one. I want one. But if Microsoft makes one, I'm going to wait for version 2.0. Well, let's see, see if it has any functions I want. I'll check out the specifications, see what the competition is offering. But uh, Musk has that thing, so maybe he can make that work. But here's the bigger part. It's not about the robot. It's about... Uh, you, you, now, you don't see this coming yet. If Tesla makes a robot... Put, put the parts together here now. If Tesla makes a robot... Number one, they can colonize Mars and build a base and have it ready for us. Right? Elon Musk, can I swear? Permission to swear. Permission to swear. I need need some permission. Anybody in the comments? I need somebody to tell me I can swear. All right. I'll keep it modest. Put the children away. They're getting ready for school. It goes like this. Elon Musk 
can put a fucking robot on Mars. Who else could do that? Well, maybe Bezos could do it, right? But Elon Musk, let me say it again, he's going to put a fucking robot on Mars. I don't know if that's like specifically in his plans. Nobody said that. But how do you build a base on Mars? It's going to be super dangerous. Robots, right? <laughs> so he's probably going to commercialize them on Earth, you know, get, get the process working, ship a shit ton of robots to Mars, and Mars will become like Elon Musk's robot planet. And when the Chinese try to land and take over Mars, it'll already be populated with fighting robots that'll keep the Chinese from populating Mars. I mean, you have to see how far ahead he's looking here. It's crazy. Secondly, and here's the fun part, Elon Musk is also famous for talking about the fact that we're a simulated reality and that you and I are really just created by some intelligence as a program. We think we're real, like players in a game, but maybe we're not. Here's the fun part. What happens... If Elon Musk makes a robot that thinks it's real, thinks it's alive, do you think he'll do that? Because if he did, and he could, it's certainly well within his technical, you know, his company's abilities to just program the thing to act and talk like it thinks it's real. What then? Yeah, that's going to fuck you up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know it yet. But if Elon Musk makes a robot that thinks it's real, everything changes. <laughs> you just don't know it yet, but it'll change everything. All right. Uh, apparently, the Remain in Mexico policy that Trump got through in his administration um, is so sticky that Biden tried to reverse it, and the court said no. So according to some, you know, not the Supreme Court, but lower federal appeals court, uh, they've got to reinstitute that Remain in Mexico thing. So, again, Trump looks right, right? I mean, on immigration, Trump looks right. I think we could say that. You don't have to be a partisan to say he looks right now compared to the alternative. Um, and uh, Trump was right. I think that's the hashtag that was going around on Twitter because, obviously, Afghanistan makes Trump look right, even if he wasn't. He looks right, right? You don't know what he would have done because he wasn't there. But he looks right. He looks right on inflation. He looks right on looks right on a lot of stuff. So it's a bad time to be Biden. Um, here's something I wondered about but didn't know. Where was the Taliban getting all their funding and weapons and stuff? Do you know that? Where was the Taliban getting all of its support? Because you need a lot of money, weapons and guns and training and all that stuff? Well, I'm seeing Iran, and I think Iran is part of the answer. And I'm seeing Pakistan, I don't know. The answer, the answer according to Gordon Chang, who's uh, writing um, on, uh, I think it was in Fox News. <laughs> By the way, that's, that's my same bird. Every morning there's this one bird who walks in front of my security camera. I don't know if you see him. That's, that's, that's the bird. And, go, and it's always during the live stream. It's the same, same freaking bird every time. Anyway. Uh, apparently China has been uh, funding and supporting the Taliban from the beginning, since after 9-11. What? That's right. 
So China didn't even close their embassy. They're so close to the Taliban, they didn't close their embassy in Kabul. All right, think about that. They didn't even close their embassy. That's how close they are. Yeah, China is responsible for everything bad in the world. But now they own the Taliban, and Gordon Chang is telling us that uh, you know, we, should, we should be worried about that. And I am. Now, uh, Erasmussen did a poll. This is very relevant to all this. And asked people if they think that Biden is really making the decisions or if there's somebody behind the curtain who is making the decisions. And I, I think Rasmussen has not released this uh, yet, but it's coming out soon. I got a little sneak peek. And how many people of the voting public, so this would be both parties, you know, representative sample of uh, likely voters, what percentage of them do you think believe... Remember, this is Democrats and Republicans. So what percentage of them in total do you think believe Biden is actually in charge? Give me your number. All right, I'm seeing people guessing you know, 20, 29, 49%, 85, 40, 49. The answer is 39% of the public thinks the president is in charge and actually making his own decisions. 39%. Let me say that again. That includes his base, right? Now, obviously, his base is kinder to him than the, the Republicans, but even his base... A lot of them don't think he's making decisions. Now, I take you back to my strangest prediction ever, which is that uh, Trump would be running against Kamala Harris, not Joe Biden. Even after Kamala Harris uh, left the primaries, I doubled down on my prediction and said, he's still running against Kamala Harris. Well, I was close, because if... If uh, you know a solid majority, 51% of the people in this Rasmussen poll thinks that other people are making decisions for him, and that includes a good chunk of Democrats don't think Biden is in charge. And 10% said they're not sure. <laughs> I don't know. That, that 10% is always funny. Um, but here's my take on this. I think Joe Biden is in charge of some decisions the doomed ones, right? If a decision is doomed, meaning there's just nothing you can do right, it's Biden's decision or he assigns Kamala Harris to it, right? If there's something where you can't win, like immigration, uh, let's buy, let Biden make this decision and uh, then he'll give it to Kamala Harris. I think they hate Kamala Harris. I'm almost convinced they're going to give her the American evacuation from Afghanistan project for her portfolio. Uh, after you've solved the immigration problem, Kamala, can you be in charge of getting all those Americans out of Afghanistan? Uh, but I think that project is doomed. Whoever works on that is going to look like a horrible, horrible person. That's right, because we kind of hate you. So it seems as if the Democrats are trying to destroy Kamala Harris faster than Republicans. I mean, Republicans are just sort of watching the show. They don't even have to go hard at her because there's not much there. But the Democrats, it looks like the Democrats are going to take the horse out and shoot it so they can get a better horse. So the Democrats have to first shoot the horse they came on, Kamala Harris, broken leg. Uh, They don't get another horse. So watching the Democrats execute their own leader will be kind of fun because they'll do that in the press. 
Well, it looks like everybody's turning on Biden for this Afghanistan stuff. Even uh, Jennifer Rubin, famously the you know, most anti-Trumper ever. Well, there's a lot of competition for that, I suppose. But she's right up there and what works for the Washington Post. And uh, here's what she tweeted. Uh, and she tweeted at the Department of Defense. So she's not messing around on this one. She says in a briefing that uh, British paratroopers going into Kabul to get their people, why aren't we? Department of Defense isn't authorized. White House needs to give that authorization and give enough troops to do that. Uh, WTF are we waiting for? Um, Maybe we're waiting to put Harris in charge of it. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Wow. And after uh, Harris is in charge of evacuating all those Americans uh, who are surrounded by the Taliban and have no military assistance, she'll, she'll do fine on that. Um, I think her next assignment is to quell inflation. And she'll be looking into the causes of inflation and making that go away uh, right after she solved uh, uh, you know, immigration and this evacuation stuff. So Kamala Harris, uh, good luck with your portfolio of uh, tasks. You're going to need it. Now, here is the weirdest thing that might come out of this. Have I ever told you that unintended consequences tend to be the only ones that matter in things? It, it seems like no matter how well you plan, no matter how smart you are, the stuff that you couldn't see coming is what matters. And I'm just going to put this out here. Let's accept that Joe Biden and his administration uh, and the military botched the withdrawal. Can we all stipulate that? So I've argued before that you know, we don't know all the details and maybe they botched it and maybe they didn't have any options that were good. But let's, for this, for this, let's just stipulate it looks botched. Certainly it looks that way. By the way, if anybody says to me, Scott, you're crazy. Why are you defending it when it so obviously looks like a botched thing? I agree with you. It looks botched, which was really my point. Things can look botched, but maybe you should wait for all the information to come out. It might not be. It might be there was just no damn choice that was any good. But here's the weird thing that could happen. It could be the most botched best thing that ever happened, accidentally. Because if the Taliban had not been completely amazingly successful, what would have been the alternative? Civil war, right? Now everybody agrees with that, right? It wasn't like the Taliban was going to quit. Nobody thinks that. So there was either going to be a protracted civil war, with all that that implies, very, very, very bad, or it's going to go the way it went, which is instant collapse with little violence. Now, what happens when the Taliban wins convincingly and the only thing they have to do is just not screw anything up for a few weeks? All the Taliban has to do is just don't make a gigantic mistake because they won. They won. What would be a gigantic mistake for the Taliban? Look, asshole. Let me take care of this asshole on, uh, on YouTube. In all capital, Scott is actually a Biden apologist. Wow, never will view him the same. I think Biden is brain dead. I don't know how I can say that any better. I'm just saying that you should wait for all the information before you make a decision. Do you think that's too tough? Is that more than you can handle? Can you not handle me agreeing with you that... 
certainly looks botched. If you're looking at the surface, totally looks like complete incompetence top to bottom. But we also don't know all the information. Anyway, so um, I think I was talking about something before that guy uh, <laughs> triggered me. What was I talking about? Oh, that it could be the, the best uh, mistake ever. So let's say the mistake was we underestimated the Taliban's um, success. Complete mistake. So the Taliban takes over. What, what was the result of the mistake? No civil war, right? The result of a massive intelligence failure was avoiding a civil war. Okay. What is the second part of that? The Taliban won. They don't want to give it away. Not yet. I mean, they could make mistakes in the future, but not today. They just won. All they have to do is give safe passage to the Americans. That's it. That's all they have to do. And they get everything. Everything. All they have to do is just don't touch one hair on one fucking American. Just do that. Now, I don't know if they can pull that off because they don't have such command and control that they can control every bad fighter everywhere who's got a bad attitude, right? So I doubt they can pull that off completely. But we'll know if they tried, right? We'll at least know if, if the Taliban leadership made a serious effort to you know, let, the, let the Americans out without being uh, killed. It's going to be messy, but we'll know if they tried. Think about motivation. Remember, the Democrats get motivation wrong all the time. What is the Taliban motivated to do right now? Right now, they are motivated to let us out with no, no injuries if they can pull it off. At least that's what the leadership would be motivated for. The individual fighters, it's going to be tough to get them to comply. So here's what the biggest botched mistake, and I would agree with you on what it looks like, okay? We'll find out more, but what it looks like is a giant, botched, incompetent thing that avoided a civil war and might, might get all the Americans out without trouble. Might. Now, if that happens, let's take this as a, an if, okay? Giant if. if. If it turns into bloodshed and hostages, well, that would be the worst case and And certainly nobody wants that. But suppose that happens. Suppose that the Taliban does let the Americans mostly get out and it doesn't become a big hostage, you know, death march. And we avoided a civil war. It would be the biggest botch ever that kind of worked out. And the other interesting thing is that apparently the Taliban is uh, making nice with both Russia and China because Russia and China want to have influence over the Taliban and Afghanistan. How's that going to work out? (laughs) Is there anything better than leaving Afghanistan to our biggest uh, rivals, Russia and China? Yeah, I know they they have the rare earth minerals and stuff, but good luck getting them. Good luck getting them out of the ground, I don't know. Maybe you can do it, but good luck. I feel as though 
Uh, if I ever told you before that you can't, you can't tell the difference between good news and bad news, I think Mark Twain said that, we can't tell the difference between good news and bad news. This botched withdrawal looks like the worst news ever, doesn't it? It looks like it's going to ripple through our foreign policy decisions forever. It's going to humiliate us in the public stage. Americans maybe blah, 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 blah. We lost the war. It's all bad. Except it is this close to being the best thing that ever happened. Do you see that? Now, it might not, that that little distance between the best thing that ever happened, which is we get out of Afghanistan fast, and all the Americans get out too. Could be. Now, what is up with the Taliban acting not like the Taliban? They've said that they're going to be basically more flexible with women's rights, you know, subject to Islamic limitations. So you don't know if that means anything, really. But they've said they won't get retaliation on the interpreters. Again, I don't know if they can make that happen, but they're saying it. They're saying it. They say they're going to let the Americans out. Uh, I think they're even saying they want to just like build relations, keep the existing government operating. It's like the Taliban is saying all the right things. What's up with that? Do we really even know what the Taliban is all about? Have we, have we conflated the Taliban with ISIS and al-Qaeda? Have we just sort of said they're all the same thing? Like, I'm not going to be the guy who defends the Taliban. I'm just going to raise the question. Why are, they, why are they even talking like that? Right? Yeah, I mean, if it's Sharia law, um, you know, it's not going to be too flexible. But uh, you know, why, are, why are they pulling that off? The Taliban is actually pulling off an impression of a reasonable entity. Is it just, just a trick? Or, or do they just want to govern the country without foreign interference, and they want to do it their way? I don't know. I mean, it's not good, no matter what, how you look at it, but it could, it could be not what we think it is. Well, Trump is the best criticizer of all criticizers. I think we can all agree on that. And he's going after this Afghan situation in his usual inimitable best-in-the-world criticizer, in my opinion. Best-in-the-world criticizer. Nobody criticizes it better than Trump because he keeps it simple. He repeats it. It's catchy. It's got a nickname sometimes. Nobody criticizes like he does. And here's what he said. Um, Let's see. He said... uh, Damn it, did I not put down his quote? Um, Well... It doesn't matter what he said. He, he said that you should do it in the order of, you know, do it in a smart order where you, you get rid of the people, then you get rid of the military assets, then you bomb the bomb our you know, bases so they can't be reused, and, and then you leave the military. So Trump quite reasonably showed a, an order of doing things that's not the way we did it and would make common sense. So Trump's criticism is perfect. Because he, he draws the parallel, says, we should have done this, and everybody agrees commonsensically. It looks like we should have done it this way. The way we did it was this way, and it's botched. It's just a perfect... I mean, even, even his critics are going to agree with him on this. This will be the one thing that even the critics say, well, okay, Trump's right about that. Um, but I still, I still have the belief that no matter what order you did things, it was going to end up the same, maybe worse. Uh, because as soon as you got serious about getting Americans out, the government would have fell. 
Because the Afghan government would say, wait, wait, hold on. They're getting all the Americans out? What? Seriously, they're evacuating all the Americans? I'm getting out of here. I think the Afghan government would have fallen the moment they heard that Americans were doing a massive evacuation campaign. Now, to Jennifer Rubin's point, so today's the day we can agree with our our critics and people on the other side, Uh, at least when it comes to American lives and and military stuff. This is the one place we tend to be able to agree. I agree with Jennifer Rubin. Why aren't we sending troops like like the British are? Why aren't we sending out trucks and vehicles to pick up these Americans? Why are we letting them do it themselves? I mean, I don't understand that. So uh, Jennifer Rubin's got a good question there. Um, so uh, let's talk about my, uh, well, I call him my mascot. So he started out as a critic. And I, if you've ever seen this before, um, when my critics come after me, they'll often have what they think is a pretty good point, so good that they'll say it in public. And they'll come after me on Twitter or social media or whatever. And then I will weigh in. And because I'm a trained hypnotist uh, and smarter than my critics in every single case. What? No. No, I think it's true. Yes, I'm smarter than my critics in every single case. Let's say that's a universal truth. Um, We all think that, right? We're all smarter than our critics every single time. (laughs) I think we can can bond on that belief that our critics are always wrong. Can we agree on that? Our critics are always wrong. Well, um, because I'm a hypnotist, I can throw my critics into cognitive dissonance pretty easily. And then I transfer them into what I call mascots. Now, a critic is somebody who's making some points that are pretty good, or at least well, something you can argue with. But a mascot just says nonsense, because they're just a mascot. So now my critic named Anomaly on Twitter, who's now my mascot, um, he's just babbling about stuff. But... Today, his criticism in public was that I, the creator of the Dilbert comic, don't know, this is what Anomaly says, my my mascot, he says that I don't understand that sometimes the people who get promoted to uh, power positions are not the most capable. Let me say this again. I'm the creator of the Dilbert comic, whose main theme is that your management and all your experts are incompetent. For 32 years, every single day, I wake up and I make a joke about how your managers and the people in charge are really incompetent. My mascot has decided to criticize me in public for not understanding that sometimes the experts and the people in charge are not the best of the best. He said that in public. <laughs> that, that's not a critic. That's a mascot. That's a mascot. All right. So I was wondering what other criticisms he had, if he's criticizing the creator of Dilbert for not knowing that management sometimes is imperfect. Um, Is he also criticizing Jeff Bezos for not making enough money? Uh, Jeff Bezos is doing some good work, but I don't feel he's making enough money. That's the sort of thing a mascot would say. Uh, Criticizing Cheech and Chong for not smoking enough weed and... uh, criticizing Trump for never saying enough bad things about his adversaries. So those are some things that I think my mascot will be uh, waiting into next. But my favorite 
is that my mascot believes, and he's mocking me today on Twitter, that I don't understand that vaccinations did not work in Israel. Did not work. What? Somebody needs to tell the country of Israel and their leadership and all of their experts that the vaccinations didn't work because Israel is under the impression that they worked really well. Wouldn't you think that that's exactly the sort of thing we'd all agree on? Don't you think that the question of did vaccinations decrease death and hospitalizations and we're, we're measuring and we're gathering the data, don't you think, don't you think that we could have, you know, maybe figured out if it's working or not? But according to my mascot, you can't tell. It looks like it's not working. Why? Because people who are fully vaccinated are uh, the people who are mostly in the hospitals. Oh, if the fully vaccinated people are mostly the people in hospitals, let me do some thinking with my noggin. That means, well, it can only mean one thing. It means the vaccinations give you COVID. I don't know what else it can mean. If people who have the vaccinations are getting sick and dying of COVID, logically, the vaccinations are giving you COVID. Now, my, even my critic doesn't say that. That's too, too stupid. But let me, let me think of another reason. What could be another explanation for why Israel is almost fully vaccinated, and yet the people who are getting sick are fully vaccinated? How is it possible that with a virus that can still infect you if you have the vaccination... In a nation that almost everybody is vaccinated, how could it be possible that most of the people in the hospital are vaccinated? Could it be because that's the only kind of people in Israel who can get infected? Is vaccinated people? Because everybody's vaccinated? <laughs> Not everybody, but enough of them that the numbers require that. All right? Now, somehow, my mascot has decided that this means I'm wrong about something. But I don't know what that is. He needs to specify. Am I wrong that vaccinations don't work? Well, let's, re- let's rewind the tape. What did Scott say last year when Project Warp Speed was introduced? To those of you who have been watching me, what did I say when the vaccinations were first announced that they were going to rush them and they were going to do them? What did I say about the likelihood that they would work, meaning that there would be an actual vaccination that just stops you from getting it? What did I say? I said they wouldn't work. I said that we would probably have great advances in therapeutics. I said therapeutics would surprise you on the upside. It would be better than you think. And I told you that based on what I saw from the experts, this wasn't my own opinion, I said that, well, we've been trying to make a coronavirus vaccination forever and never succeeded. Why are we going to do it now? Because that's what the experts said. They said, I don't think you can do that. I'm not even sure you can make a vaccination for uh, COVID. Like, it might not even be possible with anything we know how to do. And that's what I said. So I told you that the, the vaccination wouldn't work. I told you therapeutics would be awesome. We created something we call a vaccination, but it's really more like a therapeutic because it doesn't stop the infection. It just makes it 
You make well, probably it does in some cases, but it doesn't stop it cold. And uh, <laughs> so there you go. So as far as I know, I'm the rightest person on vaccinations. Right? Do you know anybody else who said we would surprise with therapeutics, but the vaccination probably wouldn't work? I think there were some experts who said it, and I guess they're right. But I said it. <clears throat> so am I, am I not exactly correct when, now that we need boosters? It's, it's a little bit more clear that it's closer to a therapeutic than it is to a vaccination. I don't know that I was right or wrong about anything, as far as I know. But... Why do I talk so much about whether I was right or wrong? And I know it's obnoxious to all of you. And many of you have quit watching my live streams because I keep telling you that my critics are wrong. Well, I think that that's actually useful because the, the, the biggest part of my content is working through the, the thinking and the illusions of it. So if I don't tell you why my critics are wrong then I would be missing maybe the most important part of this content, which is telling you what works and what doesn't when it comes to thinking and understanding your reality. Now, that doesn't mean (laughs) I'm harping. Yeah, there's a little harping. Um, Asking questions is not the same as criticism. Yeah, it is. If you ask the right kind of question, it's the same. Why don't they just call it a therapeutic? Well, it's really a hybrid. Typically, you don't think of therapeutics being a vaccination or like a, an injectable needle that protects you a little bit, but it's sort of a therapeutic. The trouble is it's a hybrid. Um, it's not a vaccination. It's marketed as one. Yeah, that, that is correct. It's not a vaccination in the classic way. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, in separate news, I saw that uh, the Greg Gutfeld show, his, his evening show, just topped uh, Colbert in the ratings. So uh, give, give a little congratulations to Greg Gutfeld for topping the entire field. He, he just lapped the entire field. <laughs> no, number one rated show uh, in that time slot against uh, uh, Stephen Colbert. So there you go. Um, and there, there's your classic uh, talent stack story, right? How often do I tell you? How often do I tell you that uh, if you assemble a bunch of skills, and you could be, let's say, in the top twenty percent or so of those skills, you have a world-class product. Greg's just the perfect example of that. You know. Writes, does TV, you know, looks good on TV, he's funny, he, you know, he understands politics, he knows persuasion. If you, you could go right down the line and you say to yourself, holy hell, he's, he's, he's assembled these lists of compatible skills that just really add up to something. Now, I, I make this case about other people as well, so I don't just say it about people I like or you know, people who are my friends or whatever. Um, but look at uh, Hannity. For example, wouldn't you say that Hannity, you, you like him or not, doesn't matter if you like him or not, his, his talent stack is really impressive. Like he, he has the entire list of every skill you would need to be as successful as he is. It's not an accident. Now, I, I had one topic I wanted to talk about that I missed on my notes. How did I do that? Um, 
There's a Larry Elder story. It's funny. I was sure I wrote that down. I may, may be missing a page or something. But Larry Elder running in the recall election against, um, against uh, uh, Newsom. And uh, CNN is trying to do some hit pieces against him. Now, here's the funny part. I've been waiting and waiting for the left to, to go hard at Larry Elder, and I wondered what they had. Yeah, I wondered what kind of horrible things in his past. And I'm not going to list the stuff that they're mentioning, because I don't know that it's true. It sounds, at least one of them sounds untrue. But here's the funny thing. Every criticism about him is making me like him more. <laughs> you should look into it yourself. I'm not even going to mention... I won't even mention what the criticisms are. Just look them up yourself. Just look on CNN. And when you read the criticisms, you're going to say to yourself, uh, I think I like him more. <laughs> it's kind of funny that they can't find anything. Uh, like, like one of the criticisms involved him you know, smoking a lot of weed. Now, I don't know if he's ever smoked weed, right? But if he did, I'd probably like him more, not less. Some of the other criticisms are about uh, humorous, insulting things he said about various you know, woke groups. And I read the insults and I think, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <clears throat> I think there was one about... There was some... <laughs> uh, there was some women's march that he made. Let's just say he made a very... <laughs> He, he made a joke about the Women's March that was totally politically incorrect, but pretty damn funny in a, in a Trump-like way. You know, like you, you would laugh of it because you know he's going to get in trouble. Uh, I've often said that the thing that makes good writing and especially humor work is that you have to think the person who wrote it or said it could get in trouble. Like that's what makes it interesting. So the things that you probably like most about what I say, if you like anything about what I say, is when you think, oh, he's going to get in trouble for that. Uh, They're going to come after him for that. And uh, that's what Larry Elder apparently does well. I mean, it's been his job on the radio to be provocative. So he knows how to do that. So he's got got that, that uh, that little extra speed. You know what I mean? You know how Trump has an extra, he has an extra speed? You know, you could be driving along, it's like first speed. You know, everybody's got that second, everybody's got that third, every fourth. Everybody's got four speeds on their transmission. And you're going along, and all of a sudden Trump will be like, and you're in a whole different realm of like witty insults and psychology and hyperbole and uh, your world is, you can't understand it and stuff. It's like, ah, six speed. Well, Larry Elder has apparently a six speed as well. Uh, meaning that he's got that sense of humor, that edge, that provocative thing that makes you pay attention. So um, it looks like Larry Elder has a real shot. He's got a real shot. Um, and if history is suggestive, he, his polls might be even better than they look. Because he, the, he might have a little of the, the Trump issue where people are not admitting they would vote for him, maybe. Maybe a little of that. I don't know. But I feel that there could be some fed-up Democrats who aren't forthright about what they're thinking. So let's see. Um, we'll be watching that. 
Dr. Johnson, not what he said. Oh, Dr. Johnson is back. Well, so I have, a, I have a mascot over on uh, YouTube called Dr. Johnson. I don't know what kind of doctor he is. But he, his entire act is misinterpreting things I've said and then getting really mad about it. I, I can't block him. I don't have that option. I can, I can mute him from a channel, but I can't block him for some reason. Um, call him Doc. All right. His, li- his first name is likely Richard. Because it looked fake is the reason it's real. Okay, that's a, some kind of Elon Musk quote somebody's saying. I don't know what that context is. All right, that's all for now. YouTube, thanks for coming, and I will talk to you later.